Hello, people of God. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you wherever you are in the world. My name is Inda Tim and I am glad to be back on my podcast. It's been a while, a very long while. I think the last time I posted here must have been 2019 or 2018. I don't remember, but so far, you know, a, a whole lot, a whole lot has happened. And, oh, it has been one heck of a journey. And a lot has changed since I made my last podcast. Some things have stayed the same. I'm still single, for instance. and. A whole lot of other things have changed. I lost my dad in November last year. Um, and, you know, I started some new businesses and I'm working on some others. And so a whole lot of things have happened. But in January of 2021, I got a different mandate from God, having fa- having failed to do what he called me to do in the last season. Sorry guys, that's the truth. That's the way it works. I did not deliver on the goods that I was given to deliver to you all. And I am really very sorry about that. And as the Lord permits me, I'll still continue to make um um podcasts about, you know, single, you know, navigating your way through your single season. And so January this year, like I said, the Lord gave me a different, a different commission. And that was a show of mercy, really, because indeed I saw that my life was flashing before my eyes, if I may say so. Right. And so when the Lord changed my assignment for the season, maybe if I had succeeded in the last season then maybe he would have allowed me continue in that but this season he's he's asked me to move on to something else right so really I don't know if the intention was for me to continue the other one for as long as or if it was for me to start something new at this time but anyway here I am and I am doing my best since January up till this moment I have been slacking it's normal (laughs) Well, I won't say it's normal. It's just some of us take a long time to think ourselves out of thinking into doing. And so that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of, um, what would I call it? I I won't say lethargy, but that's the kind of recalcitrance sometimes that accompanies being an overthinker. So... So in this season specifically, the Lord told me in January 2021 that my assignment is, well, I'll leave that to be between him and me. But if you watch this space for the next few months or years, depending on how long the Lord allows this to go on, then you will discover what exactly he's calling me to do. And So I'm asking you to join me on this journey to discover what it is that God is calling me to do, okay? So, but before I go on, I want to to, um, address that little thing that I just um, mentioned, you know, the changing of seasons. You know, it is God that changes times and seasons. 
I'm sorry I said it's a little thing. It's not really little. It's 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 really big. <clears throat> it's huge, right? And um, one of the things that came to my mind when all of this was happening in January, when I was having a health crisis and and you know having lost my dad and everything. I mean, <clears throat> it was <clears throat> it was really very tough. But then it made me. With, with the series of dreams I had and all of that in that season, it made me realize that God was serious and still is very, very serious about fruit bearing, about bearing fruit. So when you're going to church to worship and lifting up holy hands and, you know, you know, making promises to the Lord, please remember that he's going to hold you accountable. Okay? So I'm not saying you shouldn't make promises to the to the Lord, but make sure that you keep track of what you said you'll do and you try to do them. Or at least the things that he has asked you to do, keep track of what he asked you to do. Keep it in your memory and don't lose sight of it, even if you have not started, but don't lose sight of what he has called you to do. Okay? Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because I've come to see that Jesus was extremely very, very serious when he said the parable of the of the vineyard owner, of the farm owner, where he talked about um the owner of the, the, the vineyard coming to look for fruit. And every year he would come and the and the farm manager would say, Oh sorry, this tree didn't bear fruit this year. Do you think you could come back next year, sir? And he would come back the following year and he would come back and still find no fruit the second year. The third year he comes back and finds no fruit and he says, I have had it. I am going to cut down this tree and I am, in fact, I am done with it. I need to plant something else here. And and the farm manager says, oh, 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 my master, I'm so sorry. Can Can you give us one more year and let me dig around it, put some manure and um and fertilizer and whatever and you know I'll I'll do my best to to make it grow this year it definitely must grow and if i have done after i have done all of that it doesn't bring forth fruit then you can cut it and throw it away and so the the the, the vineyard owner says okay that's a brilliant idea so i'll be back at the end of the year and i'll see what happens Okay, so that parable, that parable is um, indicative of of God's intention to see fruit in our lives. If he has planted you in the word, he's given you the Holy Spirit, he's coming back every year to check the fruits on the tree. Is it bearing any fruits? And he comes the first year, nothing. The second year, nothing. The third year, nothing. And then after a while, you begin to look at your life and you're seeing some difficulties, you're experiencing some challenges and you're wondering what's really happening. You know, my enemies are at work. Oh, um, it's a witchcraft or oh, it's this or oh, it's that. No, it's not. It's just the Lord who is putting the manure and manure doesn't, it doesn't smell good. It's not, it's not the right stuff. It's shit. <laughs> Literally, you know. So you basically have to take a lot of shit 
from people around you because the Lord is digging is digging you up at the roots to to expose you at the roots to to the manure so that you can have the nutrients to grow and bear fruit. So some of the pressures that we that we might be experiencing as Christians is not because God um, dislikes us or we're just coming under random attack from the enemy. Most of the time as believers, because we're not no longer under the dominion of Satan, most of the time when we as believers go through those kinds of things, it is because the Lord is exposing our roots to some manure so that we can we can we can be um disturbed enough disturbed enough to bear fruit right so so it, it, you might just find yourself going through some unpleasant unpleasant circumstances unpleasant you know scenarios maybe at work maybe in the office maybe in your health maybe in your kids just generally and those things are not from the enemy because we're so enemy minded sometimes that we forget that the lord is the lord of the harvest he's the one in charge he's the one who's trying to make us bear fruit so if you're going through difficulties you know that seems strange that seems scary you can't find you can't find an explanation for it trust me it must be the lord He's digging up around you and he's putting in the manure to make you, to force you to bear fruit. He's trying to force you to bear fruit, literally. <clears throat> and sometimes your life, your very life can be dependent on it. Your life can be dependent on it. And it's not even can, it is dependent on your bearing fruit. So sometimes, okay, so for instance, in my own case, like in January, I think it, it was. It was more in, I think it was in November, early November, when I had that dream. I saw a huge tree that was going to be chopped off. And I said, no, 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 don't chop off the tree. The tree had so many fruits. There's this um, local pear we have in Nigeria. And um, it's purple in color. It's small in size. And, and you know, the tree was packed full of the fruits and it, and the fruits were there, and but nobody knew the tree was there because the tree was hidden, and there were gates to it, and and nobody knew the tree was there. So I said, no, 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 please don't cut the tree, don't cut the tree. I'm gonna go out there, and I'm gonna call people to come and and partake of the fruit, and 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 just you know just eat it, you know. And somehow, in November, you know, I lost my dad in November, and in January. I I started to have this intense health crisis and I began to and I began to think Lord what's going on and then that was when the, when you know the Lord brought it back to my mind that a tree that was about to be cut off had a whole lot of fruits on it but nobody was you know aware of the fruits and all of that and then I knew that he was talking to me you know there were a whole lot of things that I was supposed to do that I didn't do that I didn't deliver on and the Lord does not take it lightly because he invests heavily in each of us for us not to bear fruit, right? 
So he's not he's not about that. He's not about that life where you just come and coast around and you know just um you know take up all the nutrients to flourish and look nice on your leaves. You know, you know, somebody talks to you and you just have this, you know, you know, you just look good. You just look good. You look good. You have the nice things of life to go on, you know, to show off, to show off on. But when somebody approaches you, you have nothing substantial to point somebody to. You get and and that fruit bearing, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the production of podcasts or books or TV shows. I don't know what the Lord is going to lead you to do or what he has assigned you to do. It might be the Lord said, I want you to visit the prison every month for the next infinity years. Right. And you just feel like, oh, but I don't have a partner to go with or I don't have a I don't have, you know, I, I always want to give them money when I go there. I don't have money. I don't do this. I don't do that. You know, and you 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 come up with your own theories and excuses of why it cannot you cannot do it at the time that the Lord is asking you to do it. And after a while, you begin to pursue money or you pursue other things, and you forget. You forget the assignment, and the Lord has not forgotten. It comes the first year, he doesn't see any fruit. It comes the second year, third year, fourth year. The fourth year, you begin to see strange things happening to you, to your kids, in your business. And you pray and fast and you do all of these things. And then perhaps you remember that the Lord had asked you to do certain things. And you start to do them. And once you start to do those things, then the Lord is starting to see fruits. And he says, okay, yeah, all right, this is what I wanted to see. This is what, this is the dividends that I wanted, right? So what the Lord might be asking you to do might be completely different from what he might be asking me to do, okay? <sighs> so what I'm doing this season, this is just like, what I'm doing, this podcast is just like, you know, it's just like an offshoot of the main assignment. This is just an offshoot of the main assignment, but at least this allows me to prepare and to get my juices flowing so that when I eventually get into the zone of getting things done, then it will move very smoothly. Okay, so um, that's for that about um, about fruit bearing. So I want to encourage you, whatever it is that the Lord has asked you to do. Please memorize the assignment. Memorize it. Commit it to memory. Why do I say that? Because when you commit it to memory, then you are unlikely to forget it, even when you are enjoying life. You are unlikely to forget it. You know, because you need to remember always that you're going to have to give account for that assignment that he's given you to do. Okay, so. So. The main thrust of today's conversation, of the thing that I want to talk about today, is, um, you know, the way we see ourselves. The way we see ourselves, and this also still has a connection with, you know, how you perform and how you deliver on your kingdom assignments, right? How you see yourself impacts how you deliver on your kingdom assignment and uh, and this is something that affects each and everybody on this planet 
right? Because it is it is something that affected our very first parents and they transferred that acquired trait. Although um, science says there's no inheritance of acquired traits, but hey, the Bible says there is inheritance of acquired traits and sin is an acquired trait. And the tendency to sin is transmuted or transferred from one generation to the next. And so we all have this common problem of sin that, you know, affects the way we see ourselves and and how we deliver on our kingdom assignment. And so today's topic of transvision is basically us looking at, you know, what are the points, what are the what are really the things or that cause us to be transvisioned? What really does it mean to be transvisioned? You know? So we'll just, you know, I'll just I'll just keep chatting. I don't have a, I have a script, but then I don't have a, an agenda. So I'll just keep chatting as the spirit leads. And if you're able to listen to the end, then I pray that you are blessed and you're given the courage to go back and do whatever it is that the Lord has called you to do in this season. And I pray that he will give you the healing that you need and whatever resources that you need to do his good will. Okay? So today we're talking about transvisioned. What does it mean to be transvisioned? Well, that word came to me as I was replying to a post up on YouTube, right? Um, I usually just um, get a lot of inspiration when I am replying to people's to people's um, posts, you know, comments on YouTube. Like somebody says something, maybe in, a, in on a Christian video comment section, and I want to leave a reply. And sometimes I end up writing for hours. <laughs> I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to. Um, throw some light on what the person or the question the person is asking. But then I find myself writing for hours and hours and hours. And so I have books, I have blog posts and a whole lot of stuff that I have never, 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 never put up because of ah, transvisionism. It's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. And so... Transvision, what does it really mean to be transvision? What it means to me is that our identity is tampered. The vision and the thought of who we are is tampered. And especially at a very early age when we have no memory of, you know, of being having made certain decisions. You get so for instance. Um, I was watching a video where Caitlyn Jenner was talking about, um, you know, his decision to transition from, from the male to the female gender. And, you know, he was, he was expressing his concern that at the end of his life, that would God really welcome him? That he really hopes that, you know, God would be proud of him. And say welcome my son and all of that or welcome Caitlin or welcome home child or whatever just to paraphrase what he was saying and 
that for me was a very um it was a very um great moment of hope was a very, very great moment of hope in a case that seemed so bleak and bleak and had been bad mouthed and talked about, you know, all you know, through throughout the whole world. And when I say bad mouthed, I mean that it had been cast as a hopeless case or as a lost cause because of the high profileness of, you know, all of all of the media attention that surrounded the whole transgendering drama, right? And so for me, at that moment, when I heard him say those words, it gave me so much hope. It gave me so, so, so much hope. And here's why. You know, it's possible for you to um, do something like that and not even give a hoot about what anybody says or about what God, least of all, would say. But then, I, I, you know, the, 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 the post he made about it or the video that came out about it where he was speaking kind of showed that he had a whole lot of introspection about this subject and about what he had, you know, done with himself. And, and he's basically he's almost like begging for, for a revelation into the heart of God about what God thinks about what he has done, right? And at that moment, I felt like this is when, this is when, you know, a very good, sound preacher would come in handy to, to, to speak to this man and show him where exactly, you know, things went awry and and just help him to find the healing that he needs. Because for as long as he is alive and well in this world, God still has a hope for him. God still has a use for him. God still has an office for him. There are still testimonies waiting to happen. There's still good things waiting to happen to him. You know, so and so he's not a lost cause. And then, you know, so I I didn't I didn't when when I saw that, I was very happy and hopeful. And I just prayed that God would lead him, you know, that the Spirit of God, who who had allowed him to even think such thoughts, the Spirit of God who had allowed him to even think such thoughts, would grant him the gift of repentance. And the gift of repentance doesn't just, you know, just come, you know, it's just handed to you. It comes from understanding of God's word. And sometimes you, you may not really understand what God is saying, except somebody explains to you. So, I mean, that. So in the answering of that prayer, God could take any dimension. It could be just speaking to him in a dream or appearing to him or giving him some sort of revelation or sending him a, a preacher or a prophet, you know. So it could be anything. But I believe for instance, for, just for the fact that he was able to, you know, articulate his concerns about what God would think about what he had done. I saw a huge, um, I saw a huge beam of hope. So there's a whole, there's a whole lot of hope right there for Caitlyn Jenner, and I'm, and I'm praying that you know, um, God is going to bring him out of that lifestyle, and um. And not just him, but a whole lot of people with him. Because 
you know, for instance, when he was speaking, he said that one of the last motivations that really pushed him in there was um, was the fact that he wasn't just going to be doing this for himself, but for other people, right? And and this is where you know the whole um, the whole uh, concept about transvisionism came forth, you know, for me, and it it. it it, it just still goes back to the narrative of what happened in the garden of in the garden of eden because the enemy comes at at a time when you least ex- expect it and begins to sow the seeds of identity disorder begins to sow the the the, the seed of identity disorder so transvisionism is the acknowledgement of an identity disorder when you're transvisioned, whether um, you know you're a child or an adult, then it means you have seen, you have identified, or you have you have believed the idea of lack. You have believed the idea of lack, and the idea of lack does not just come to us, you know, because we're abundant creatures. God created us with a sense of abundance, but you know, the enemy comes. Well, like Jesus said, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But he comes with lies. He comes with twisted words to come and convince us that God does not care about us and that God has not provided the things that we need to flourish and to grow. And therefore, and once we believe that lie, once we believe that lie, it changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we 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 relate with ourselves and with others and then it 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 causes us to make it decisions and once we make a decision around that even if you are 2 years old once you make a decision around that around that identity this um dysfunction or disorder or that that that's transvisionism that that transvision you know you you were you were created one way but now, because of something that happened, you now see yourself a different way. You see yourself as lacking something. That's what transvision is. You were born abundant, but now you see yourself as lacking something. And when once you make a decision based upon that lack, it is going to take, it might take 20 years, it might take 50 years, it might take 100 years if you're alive by that time. But the day that you act upon it, it's not the day that the problem started. The day you take a decision, or the day you take action upon that, is not the day that the problem started. And so, for a whole, for the whole world, for the whole world, I'm not just talking about you know maybe um you know maybe just a, a subsect of people. No, transvisionism is a problem of the whole human race. You know, and and of course, this still takes me back to the story of Adam and Eve, where the enemy approached Eve and said, um, you know, um, did God really say you should not eat of all the trees in this garden? And and innocently, Eve just said to him, no, he didn't say we should not eat of all the trees. He just said that specific one in there. And of course, the enemy knew that there was a caveat in God's in God's um in God's protective plan what I call the initial, the initial unintended caveat, the initial, 
okay, that's 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 a bit too technical, but but generally God says, I'm gonna watch over you, I'm gonna care for you, I'm gonna stay, I'm gonna do that, but you have to stay here with me. Right? But the enemy comes and says, Oh, you know, you can have this whole other world, you can have all of these things, you don't need to stay here. And then you begin to look at yourself that, oh, that's right. I can have this whole world and I don't have to stay here. So I've got to move over there. You get, and so you allow the enemy to trick you into moving over there. Anyway, so that, that's what happened with Eve. The minute she admitted that um, God had said, oh, don't eat of this other food, she opened the door for, for, for the enemy to mess up her mind. She opened the door for the enemy to mess up her mind you know and and the enemy came in and showed her that she lacked wisdom that she was lacking in wisdom and and that um and that and that god was the one who intentionally withheld it from her because he did not want her to become like him hmm. because she didn't because he didn't want Eve or Adam to become like like God and so God you know so so that that planted that planted the seed of 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 doubt it it it's it's in fact that was the moment when everything was ruined the moment Eve opened her mouth to to admit to the enemy that God had said um eat this or don't eat that that was when everything was ruined because now he now gave her reasons and then she believed it and the minute she believed it that was the end the the minute she believed what the enemy said that was the end hi i'm sorry i lost i lost track of i lost track of how far of how far back um you know we had gone but if if i'm to continue i'd say I'll start from the point where I was talking about, you know, the enemy approaching Eve to say that, um, that, you know, just basically asking her, had God said you shouldn't eat of all of the trees? And Eve said no, that God had only asked them to eat one, not eat one of the trees, which was at the, which was at the center of the garden. And, and, the enemy launched into his tirade about why God said he sh- they should or should not. And once Eve believed what the enemy said, it changed the way she saw herself. It changed her worldview. It changed the way she saw her husband. It changed the way she saw God. And eventually it began to change the way she saw and handled those things that God had said, do not touch. And so for us also as 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 people, this is the story of everybody. This is the story of everybody. This is the story of everybody. Because the enemy comes even in infancy. It comes, it comes when when you have no memory. When you cannot say, Oh, this is the memory of, of when I was born. I don't think any any of us can remember that, but you know somehow, somehow it could be at the moment of birth. I don't know when it happens, but for somebody like me, I remember that when I started to have problems was when I was about three years old. 
I was about two or three. The problem had already started, but it really fully crystallized when I was about four or five. And what happened was I'd always wanted, you know, you know, my dad to be around and to buy dolls and things like that. And I would always hope that, okay, maybe when he comes this time, maybe he would go, he would bring me dolls, he would do stuff, you know, and there were just a whole lot of things that I wanted. And my mom was overwhelmed. And if I asked her for something, you know, you know, she would go, she would talk about, you know, that how much she didn't have, why she didn't have enough money and all of that. And that really hit me hard because of the delivery of how she said it. You know, it really hits me hard. And I decided, I decided at some point that I would stop asking. That I would stop asking for stuff. And that I would start to do them for myself. Note, I was just about five years old. I was just about five. But then I made that kind of decision. I made that kind of decision. and. Once I made the decision, I think that was where everything, and I, I still remember that when I was making the decision, it didn't really make sense to me because I was a child, I would need about at least 10, 15, 20 years to grow up and get a job and have money of my own to be able to afford the things that I wanted. But I also thought about it that by the time I had grown up, I wouldn't want to play with dolls anymore. Those things wouldn't make any, wouldn't have any meaning to me anymore because I'd already grown past it. You know, so, but then the decision had already been made. I was hurt and I had made the decision already. It didn't make any sense to me, but I didn't even know how to undo the decision because I was still hurting. You know, so, so that was my own transvision experience. But then even, even that, that moment was not where the problem began. It wasn't because I can still remember some, some incidences, which I don't want to get into, like when we're much younger maybe when I was about three years old I can even remember yes I can remember far back to maybe I was about yeah I was about three I was about three years old I was about three years old and I remember those um some religious books and in those religious books these girls would have this long lustrous beautiful hair and and my hair was short my hair was not long and just the way we were treated, maybe because of the stresses around, just the way we were treated. You know, maybe some kids are just more sensitive than others. Maybe I was a sensitive child. Maybe I was a sensitive child. And I took a whole lot of things to heart. And I remember one afternoon while we were playing outside, I had taken a scarf, I put a scarf on my hair and tied it to make it look like I had long hair right and some kids came and said oh that's not your hair you're not beautiful you don't have long hair you are not this you're not that you're not that and it really affected it really affected my self-esteem and I, I, I still remember I was about three years old I just sat down there I didn't join them I didn't play with them I was more concerned about how I looked and 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 Maybe God is allowing me to have this memory of these occurrences because of how of how he would um remind me 
at a time like this so that I could share it with others. Because sometimes we may not even remember how far back the problem is or where it started from in our specific lives. But the truth is that each and every one of us has been transvisioned. Has been transvisioned. And so for me, I, I, I felt like, oh, if I, if I am, maybe if I have long hair, maybe if I'm fair in complexion and I have long hair, then maybe my parents will love me. Maybe my mom will give me stuff. Maybe she won't yell at me. Or maybe my brother will think I'm 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 nice. Or maybe the other kids will want to play with me and not tease me so much. You know, so that was when that was when the idea of lack. That was when the idea of lack really came in. That was when the idea of lack, but then it didn't crystallize into a decision until about four or five years old. I was no, I, I wasn't four years old. I was I was definitely about five. I was definitely about five when I finally made this decision to not um to not um ask stuff from my folks anymore. And so I remember the the afternoon when I made that decision, I went and took an old piece of of cloth. I went and took an old piece of um of wrapper, and I I cut it to make a dress for my doll. I cut it to make a dress for my doll, and and um, I know that when people saw it, when my mom or other people saw it, it was like, oh wow, look, you made a dress, you made a beautiful dress. But for me, there was no joy in making that dress because I just wanted my folks to give it to me. I just wanted them to do it for me. So yeah, other people might have said, oh, look, you did this for yourself, she did this, she, oh, wow, you're so talented, and all of that, but it didn't come from a place of, that's what I wanted to do, no, it just came from a place of improvising, because you guys did not give it to me, and so when I look back at that moment now, I'm like, okay, so maybe I should not have made that decision, maybe I should have just forgiven them, maybe I should have just forgiven them, I should I'm not I'm not I'm not a maybe. That is definitely what I should have done. But then I'm 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 just sharing this to let you know that sometimes the problems that go with us even down to the grave started when we were at an age that we may not even have a good memory, we may not even have a, a good grasp of where it came from. And so a lot of people go through life and thinking, I was born this way. I was just born like this. I don't know how, I don't know why, I don't know when, but I was just born like this. No, you were not. No, you were not. Something happened along the way. Something happened along the way and it changed the way you saw yourself. It changed the way you saw yourself first and then later you made a decision around that thing and even if it it took maybe 20 years for you to actualize that decision. But, but the truth is that that was the point when you had made the decision. And that essentially is what happened, like I was saying, in the case of Eve. The enemy came and sold her a lie that, you know, God doesn't want you to have this stuff because he does not want you to be like him, right? And and the minute Eve believed that, 
that was just it. That was when she had her transvision moment. That was when she had her transvision moment. It changed the way she saw the world. It changed the way she saw her husband. It changed the way she saw God. It changed the way she saw all everything around her. And so the enemy continued to present his case. He continued to present his case, right? And then she began to consider those things. She began to consider those things to look and say, okay, not so bad. It doesn't look bad. This fruit doesn't look bad. It, it it actually looks good. It doesn't smell weird. And it doesn't even feel squishy or mushy or stupid to touch. It actually just feels firm and full and normal. This 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 just looks very normal. You know? And so gradually she she went past the point of just assessing with her eyes and then she began to and she began to desire to, to hold it. To touch it, something that God said, don't even touch. Don't even touch it. You can look at it, you can look at it and just go by it, but don't touch it. Because the day you touch it, that means you have already decided that you want to eat it. And so the last, the last decision, the last, um, the last consideration that pushed her over the edge was the decision to eat it so that she could have wisdom. And so the question is, wisdom for what? What did she want to use wisdom for? She wanted to use wisdom to prosper on her own without without the help and the need for God. She wanted to get the wisdom to prosper on her own without the help and the need for God. And I remember in my own case, as I sat on that veranda that afternoon, as I cut up that dress, as I tried to piece it together to make a dress for my doll, I knew that I didn't know what I was doing. But in my mind, I began to imagine how a dress would look and what, what, what parts of it, how to, how to piece it together. I was looking for the wisdom to do it and not have to wait for my parents to get me the dress or have to wait for anybody to get it for me because I was done and tired of waiting. Hmm. I was done and tired of waiting. You know, so this is the common story of all of us. We have been transvisioned. And you know, Jesus talks about, you know, sin. Jesus talks about sin, you know, having three three um three stages or three yeah. The three stages. The first stage being the lust of the eyes, and then the lust of the flesh, and then the pride of life. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You know, and so I I made some I made some um some um write I made a write up about it. Like I said, sometimes I just write and I have I have you know I spent hours writing just in reply because you know it 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 helps it helps me um bring forth what the spirit. God is saying to me and to 
other people in the situation. So I'm just going to read, I'm just going to read um, what I penned down about um, loss of the eyes and loss of the flesh and the pride of life. So here it goes. The enemy sows a seed of discontent by making you blame God for the lack you are suffering. This was what he did to Eve. He made her feel like she was missing out on life and it was God's fault for not planning ahead to care for her needs. In the same way, the feelings of inadequacy and self-judgment came from the lie that God had placed him in a home where he didn't fit or wasn't loved enough. When I say him here, I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about Caitlin. This thing happened. Whatever it is that makes him feel like, you know, he wanted to be a woman, it came from a time when he was probably too young. Maybe the memory is too far, is too far repressed or regressed for him to go there, right? But what I'm saying here is that it happened at a time when he was definitely very, very vulnerable and young. So there was a comparison of rewards, conclusions drawn, blame apportioned to self, and a decision to, ch to make a change from original identity. Yes, so that's it. You feel like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good enough. But maybe if I become this other thing, then love will come. You know, like I said, um, when I was about three, you know, having made my hair to be, you know, put a scarf, I still remember the color of the scarf. I remember, and I remember what I did with it. You know, I tied that around my head and I tied it strategically to make it look like long white girl's hair, you know, or a white girl's long hair, you know, but, but what I'm saying essentially is, you know, that decision, you know, that if I am, if I'm no longer white, but I'm, or I'm no longer black, but I'm white, or if I'm no longer a girl, but a boy, you know, those things happen, those kind of decisions happen at a time when you, you cannot even suspect, when you cannot even suspect that it is sin, right? And so, all at a very early age. The danger is that most times we can't retrace those events back to the moment that decision was made. Also, there could be emotional blocks that prevent the person returning mentally to those moments, possibly because they do not want to offend the sensibilities of the very dominant parent or guardian in their life. Seem or seem ungrateful or blame them for the feelings of inadequacy generated by their imposing presence or demands of obedience and love. So shying away from this confrontation produces and exacerbates shame, self-blame, and the feelings of inadequacy. The desire to change or become something or someone else in order to gain their respect and consequently a decision to explore the opportunities for that change. This is where the era of self-revisioning and thinking happens. This 
self-revisionism is sin because there's a decision attached to it. There's a decision attached to it. So yeah, now as I, as I think about it, even while I was three years old, when I, I changed, when I tried to change my hair, when I when I wished for it to be a different person, that in itself was sin. But maybe what if I don't remember? What if I don't I don't have a memory that goes back that far? Or what if I don't even know what, what sin is? Or what if that oh what if God had not imprinted that that um that um incident in my memory for so long? What if? Just what if? Right? What if? Then I might not know that that is a huge problem and that is what is affecting me in my life 30 something years later. I mean, look at Bruce. Bruce was in his 60s. He was in his 60s when he went and decided to take care of himself. And I really must applaud him for, for, for waiting for all his kids to grow up because he said, you know, after the last of them had turned 18, he said, you know what, I think it's time for me to really explore what this thing is, you know, and know what it is, why I have been feeling this way all along in my life. And I, I empathize with him. He has suffered for so long. Whether whether or not, you know, we're aware of how it came about, but he had suffered for so long. He really always wanted to know where that, that, that thing had come from. But the truth is that it came from a decision, from a time, from something that happened when he was too young to remember. Maybe he was too young to remember, or the memory is, is so... It's so it's so far back, or or well, of course, as it is, he doesn't have a concept of what sin really is. And then, of course, then the memory, the memory might not be there. He might not really remember the specific incidences, you know, that led to that transvision moment, right? So, this incidents can can I'm reading again now. That this self-revisionism is sin because there's a decision attached to it. This incidence can happen as a result of real or imaginary abuse, but whichever it is, Satan is very involved in deceiving the person into thinking they're a victim, of changing their image or identity into something more deserving of respect or fear. Hmm. That kind of makes me think of people who who do body mutilation. They want to inspire some level of respect or fear. You know, any form of body mutilation at all could be tattoos. It could be. I mean, there's something that makes you want to mark and brand yourself to look terrifying, or to be accepted, or to belong. You know, so. Anyway, so what the, the, the thrust of the gist right here is that we, each and every one of us, has been transvisioned. Because the Bible says that everyone has sinned and has fallen short of the glory of God. And that is the simple truth. So, I'm reading on again. If this happens at a very early age, 
it is easy to forget and think that the person was born that way, but at the root is the decision to explore the opportunities for that identity change. Right? So imagine that when I was when I was a kid, maybe I had decided that, you know, I think my parents love my brother more than me. If I was a boy, if I was a dimension, if there was a dimension that my transvision experience took, then then I might have I might have leaned towards towards um towards um what's it called? I might have leaned towards um gender resolution. I might have leaned towards gender resolution to think, okay, maybe if I'm a man, I'll feel better. Because right then at that age, I begin to say, okay, if I was a boy, and then therefore I begin to change the way I see myself. I change the way I think and talk like a girl. I begin to embody more the character of a of, of a boy. I begin to act like a boy. And you know, it starts like it starts very little and then it blossoms into something that is fully you know, you know, something that is very obvious. And then at some point, I begin to look for opportunities to actualize that identity change. But the identity after the point when I am going to approach a doctor to say, hey guys, I want you to, I want to, I want you to um, alter, I want to alter my body. It, 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 is, it is not at that point that the problem started. It started early, very early in childhood. And in most cases, I suspect, I suspect that the memory, that the memory doesn't go that far back. And even if it does, even if it does, it it can be a very difficult place to go to because of the kind of pain that might be associated with that decision. Okay, so moving on now, we're talking about lust of the flesh. You know, like I said, Jesus identified three things, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So the next thing that we're talking about is the lust of the flesh. So this is basically the exploration of the opportunities to arrive at self-help for the perceived injustice, right? So coming from loss of the eyes, you know, you, you, you perceive that there has been injust and some injustice done to you. And so now with the loss of the flesh, you are exploring the opportunities to right those wrongs. You're exploring the opportunities to right those wrongs. You feel like God didn't make you a woman. You know, he shouldn't have made you a woman. He should have made you a man, right? And, and based on that notion, and based on that notion, you have been you know, you have been thinking, you have changed your thinking from thinking of a, a, a woman or the natural flow of a woman because a woman has a natural flow. You know, you, you begin to gradually alter the way you think and the way you behave from very early, from very early in childhood. And then by the time you're 20 something, you decide, you know what, I'm done with this pretense. I am coming out. I am going to get surgery done, right? So I don't want to I don't want to push it first past that, but let's let me keep reading. It flows from the decision to provide what seems to be lacking by using one's own effort to the exclusion of the power of God. Because of course you already feel like God, God, you know, shall changed you. And so 
you're now appropriating any other wisdom, any other, you know, opportunity to, to make it happen. You're exploring the opportunities to make it happen. Hmm. That's lots, lots of the flesh, right? So this is where pride takes over. Pride is the alternative to trusting God to resolve an identity crisis and deliver one from the torture of a depleted self-worth. Pride is the alternative to trusting God to resolve an identity crisis and deliver one from the torture of a depleted self-worth. So when the enemy is, is, is telling you those lies, that you are lacking something, what it does is that it depletes your self-worth. It depletes your self-worth. A whole lot of things, a whole lot of things happen at that moment. Because at that moment, you're calling God insufficient. You're saying that God, you're just calling God names. You're just calling God names. You're just saying God does not have forethought. For me, I think that is the worst accusation, that God does not have forethought, and that he just created you and put you in this place, and that, and that you know, if he had known better, that's the worst accusation. <laughs> That's the worst accusation for me. You know? And so, but that is what the enemy does. He comes to make us call God names. You know, to say, God, if you had if you had been wise enough, you would not have created me and put me in Africa. You should have put me in, in Scandinavia. You should have put me in wherever. Right? That is where I ought to have flourished. So now, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to remove myself from this Africa and take myself to where I think I really need to be. And you know, before I go on, I want to mention that, you know, this is, again, this is something that each and every one of us goes through. That transvision, that transvision um, experience happens to each and every one of us. It happens to each and every one of us. And because... Because it happens at such a tender age, we cannot track it. But worst of all, it takes different dimensions. It takes different dimensions. So that by the time you are coming up to the time when you have the rights or the, the opportunities to explore, you know, the resolution of that injustice, right? It is impossible most times to track it back to track it back to the transvision experience and when it happened. What do I mean? So for instance, you know, the 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 Bruce Jenner, the Bruce Jenner incidents, his was more of a sex change or a gender change kind of transvision. It was a gender change kind of transvision. But for somebody else, it might be it might be um, a career oriented transvision. Maybe your dad was a cobbler, or maybe your dad was a doctor and he didn't have time for the family, and you just decided that doctors were it it it's you know it's just it's just a useless profession. I don't want to be a doctor. I want to be. Let me look. What what can I be? What can I be? Let me see. Um. Okay, that's it. I'm going to be a musician. Yes, that means I'm not going to do anything other than what it is that I want to do. And I'm going to have time for my wife and my kids and all of that. 
Now, but maybe the real talent that God gave you was for you to be a better doctor than your father and for him to train you and give you some, some, some ideas and some skills that would help you to excel. But because you had that, that transition experience at a very tender age, you cannot. But because you had that, that experience at a very tender age and you cannot trace it back to, to, to that, you decided at an early age that you want to be a musician. But the talent and the skills that God gave you was for you to be a surgeon, maybe a world-class surgeon, somebody who would be a man of renown. But you made the decision early in life to be a musician. And so you, you, you grow up and maybe you even succeed at music, but you don't have any joy in your life. You don't have any, any, um, you don't have any joy. You, you don't find any fulfillment in what you're doing. You're always chasing the next biggest thing. You're always working hard. You're just trying to have that sense of fulfillment, but you cannot find it because you got it wrong, not yesterday, not this morning, but 20 something years ago, something happened. And it transvisioned you. It, it changed the way you saw yourself. But God had made you, God had made you very, you know, he, he had given you the talents that would have allowed you to excel at being a surgeon. But now you're using, you know, you're using those gifted hands to play the guitar. And people think, oh, yeah, yeah, he's really very talented. He's so talented. He plays the guitar like a god. He's, he's so good at it. It's because you're misappropriating the gifts that God had given you. And because the gifts are in your hands, you're still able to use those hands to play the guitar or maybe some instrument and excel at it. Right? But the truth is that you you, you were transvisioned at an early age. But now, and why I'm saying this is because for, for a lot of us, ours takes a different dimension than than the way um, um, Bruce Jenner's um, um, experience looks. Ours looks like a different, different, um, it, it, in fact, it doesn't even show up on the radar. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't show up on the radar because it doesn't look drastic. It looks sort of normal. You grew up, you said you wanted to be a lawyer or you wanted to be a musician or you wanted to be something, but it was based off of the reaction of what you saw back at home growing up right and that influenced your decision so for the rest of your life you're chasing this career or this thing that you decided long ago when you were a child but you had absolutely no business doing it you had absolutely no business doing it right and so maybe for somebody else it might be relationships maybe they felt like their mom disrespected their dad you know, they felt like maybe their their, their parents just you know, my mom didn't love my dad, or he, you know, she she always talked down at him. And so when I grow up, I am going to I'm just gonna show women that I know my worth. I'm just gonna show I'm just gonna show women that that I'm the boss. And so and so from that early age, they come up with this very narcissistic personality. And, and, and 20 something years later, you know, they meet or this beautiful woman meets them and 
and because she sees that his parents are, you know, <clears throat> still together, or you know, there's, you know, the, he seems to come from a decent background. She decides, oh well, I think that I think that um, I'm going to have a good marriage, or at least we'll, we'll have something decent here. But then she gets into this relationship with this guy, and it is a different story altogether because he had been transvisioned long, long, long ago, and it had affected the decision, his decision on how he would relate and treat with and treat women. And now that he has grown up, he's just doing certain things that he cannot understand, and he's just He's just, you know, acting these things out, not like he even wants to do them. After doing them, he feels bad that he has done them. But then he cannot, he just feels, oh, this is the way I was born. I was just born like this. This is just who I am. You just have to learn to accept me for who I am. But but the truth is that you were not, you were not born that way. That's not who you were. When God created you, that's not who you were. If you look really deep inside, you're a very caring and loving person, but 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 something happened, something happened so long ago that you may not even remember. You know, so it's quick, it's it's easy to 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 point at somebody who is transgendered and think, oh, oh, they're, they're living in sin. They they you know they're transgressing the law of God, you know, they're doing this and that. But you see, the truth is that you also were transvisioned at a very early age. You were also transvisioned at a very early age. Right? There is just some wrong information that that you have that you have acquired. And it's going to affect the way you live the rest of your life. And I want to talk about, for instance, the story of um the rich, the rich young ruler. Right, because somebody might say, "Oh well, you know, it's not this thing cannot it cannot really be happening for everybody." And to an extent, you might have a point, but then it is still everyone. You know, in the story of the rich young, young ruler, the man approached Jesus and said, "I have been keeping these commandments from the from from as far back as my childhood, for as far back as I remember." And when Jesus looked at the man, he was indeed impressed. Even Jesus was impressed and said, "Yes, indeed, in all of these laws, you are faultless." I mean, Jesus said that of the man, but then he said one thing of him. He said, "Go and give your money to the poor." And come follow me. And that made him very, 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 very sad. What does that what does that what does that tell us? It tells us that that a man had built his value system or his his self-worth. His worth of self was built around how much he had. His net worth was more of how much he had in the bank and not who he was as a person even though he was keeping the law i mean if you're keeping the law you should know that god already you know god approves of you you have a stamp of of approval from god and therefore if you ask for anything he should give it to you i mean for those of us who have a sense of entitlement like that i mean but the young man you know still 
could not wrap his mind around how he would give all his money to the poor. Is this Jesus guy even real? Seriously? You know? So um that 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 kind of tells us that that kind of tells me that he was brought up, he had he had, you know, a, he still had a transvision moment when he was when he was young because that that thing that Jesus said to him go give your your money to the poor and come follow me it just Jesus did not invent it in that moment it was already the going concern of God that people should be generous and give to the poor it was already in the mind of God for ages before God before Jesus said it on that day before Jesus said it on that day, so it wasn't something that was that was just invented. It was something that was always on the mind of God. And that is the way that God would have wished for the rich young ruler to have lived. But because he had a transvision moment, a transvision experience, maybe, maybe from culture, maybe from religion, maybe from the family, you know where he was where where he was indoctrinated or he 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 just had it inculcated in him that he needed to have you know all of this money you know that that his his worth because it's it's a question now of worth and not just having money jesus is not against you having money but where is your worth where is your worth are you building your are you building your worth around what you have what if everything is taken away from you? What's going to happen? Right? What's going to happen? You know? So he also had that transition moment. But he, because he feels like he had been keeping the law since he was a childhood, since his childhood, he could not really trace it back to a value system where he was told that you have to, you have to have a certain, you know, all of these riches around of you, around you to 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 have a good sense of self, to have a good sense of worth, to have a, a self, to have self-worth, that you have to have a whole lot of this bunch of, of good stuff around you. Not that those good stuff are bad, because after all, Jesus is saying, divest from yourself and give to the poor. If those things are bad, Jesus would not wish them on the poor. You know, but Jesus is just saying, okay, let there be a balance. Let there be a balance in society. You take those things you have and give to them. And you're going to come walk with me. And when you walk with me, Jesus is saying that those things which you have forfeited for him, for his sake, you're going to receive them in this lifetime a hundredfold. A hundredfold in this lifetime. He didn't talk about when you get to heaven. No, he said in this lifetime. So whatever it is you have forfeited, you're going to have a hundredfold of it in this lifetime. You know, so. Now moving 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 back to where we're coming from, you know. So the transvision experience is it's it's definitely surely going to be there for each and every one of us born into this world. But the dimension is going to be different. And what I was saying is that it is more difficult to track, it is more difficult to track for a whole bunch of other people simply because it does not it does not have to do with your genitals. Simply because it does not have to do with your genitals does not mean that you don't have the same problem. You have the same problem. I have the same problem. Or I had the same problem. We're all transvisioned. We, we all had our identities 
messed up because of the lies of the enemy. You know, but the ones that affect us at the core of our being are not educational. They are, they are more they are more the ones that that have to do with with our personality. The attack on our personality that oh if you were taller, oh if you were shorter, oh if you had long blonde hair, oh if only you were fair, oh if only you were dark, oh if only you were a doctor, or if your father was rich. Or if your mother was rich, or if you know. So, just the feeling of exclusion from certain life experiences because of of how we appear to be. You know, just believing that kind of lie is what sets us off on a wrong, on a on a lifelong journey of just missing it. And so, for somebody like Bruce Jenner. I don't know what happened, but he definitely had his own transvision experience at a very tender age, just like just like the rest of us. But it has come out as it was a gender-related transvisionism, if I may put it that way. It was, it was a, a gender-related transvision. For some, it's a career-related transvision. For some, for some, it's a personality-related trans, transvision. You know, so but we all have the same problem. So I'm going to um conclude by reading the rest of the the rest of the manuscript, and um, you know then we'll just um we'll just basically conclude. Although it's very very long, it's very very long. So what I'll probably do is to um make it available as an ebook. Or you know, just I'll 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 find a way to make it available. So if you're interested, or I'll give you my email address at the end of the podcast so that you can send me an email and I'll send you the the write up. Okay. So the last the last point of sin, which is um what really drives us over the edge, that's the final motivating factor. You know, Jesus, like I said, Jesus mentioned three. Um, loss of the eyes, loss of the flesh, and the pride of life. You know, if we talk about um, when we talk about the pride of life, right? Um, somebody like Bruce Jenner, you know, uh, when when he was going to make the decision, finally, he said something. He said that he he when he was going to take the decision, he looked at everything and he said, no, you know, there are a whole lot of other people who are going through this thing. And that if he goes ahead to 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 transgender, that it will be helping a whole lot of other people to to you know find their voice or just just helping them in some way, you know, emboldening them and all of that, you know. And I thought, you know, when I, when he said that, I I I I thought that you know his his desire to help people succeed. Is definitely very genuine, but it's misplaced. It's misplaced because all of us have been transvisioned. So, if you're helping somebody else to explore the opportunities for identity change, then it's because it's because you also do not know what dangers 
are ahead. And when I talk about dangers, I'm not even talking about iniquity, you know, the injustice that is done to yourself and to others when you explore those things. But spiritually, because you 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 don't really know the origin of what those problems were. And so enabling somebody to 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 explore their options, it doesn't necessarily, it does it's not not necessarily, it doesn't really help them at all. It doesn't help to resolve the original problem. It doesn't help. It only, you know, it can only provide maybe a temporary cover or a temporary succor. But the truth is that even after you have succeeded in doing that thing, you will not find fulfillment in it because, because it, you are not acting upon God's original vision for your life. You are acting upon the enemy's vision or the enemy's lie, which is what brought about the transvisionism, you know? So you're acting upon the transvision and not the original vision. And so even when you have succeeded in 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 acting upon the transvision, you will not feel fulfilled because it was not God's original vision for your life. Okay? So I thought that his desire to help people is definitely genuine. And I think that he's a very good person. He's a very kind man, but he's just he's just made he's just taking a wrong turn. And each and every one of us has taken that wrong turn at one point in our lives or the other. And and like I said, for some it's it's the gender thing, but for some it's career. Some for some it's family. For some it's 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 personality. For some it's religion. For some it it, it can take diverse dimensions. It can take any kind of dimension at all. Whatever it is that the enemy has used to rob you of your sense of self-worth becomes the thing of sin that propels and drives you and can drive you till the day you die and leave this world. And which is exactly what God does not want. He doesn't want you to die in your sin. He doesn't want you to die in transvision. He wants you to die in the original vision. He wants you to, to, to repair, to come back to the original vision that he had for you. Okay, so let me let me keep let me keep reading. I'm talking about we're still under the pride of life. We're under the pride of life now. So the pride of life is the external justification for taking the deci- for taking the decisive step to enact the desired self-appointed change. That's a mouthful. That is definitely a mouthful. But what am I saying? It's the external justification for taking the action. For taking the action to explore your opportunities for identity change. Get so maybe maybe suddenly you find the opportunity to go to music school. Remember, God originally had the idea for you to be a surgeon, but now you're a musician. You're thinking of becoming a musician. And then now you found the opportunity to go to a music school. And you take the opportunity, right? And you take the opportunity and you go, right? Not because it is wrong. Of course, you can still be a doctor or a surgeon and be a good musician as well, if it's your interest. But but now you are, you are doing one in lieu of the other because you just feel like you're going to be better off in life if you do one versus the other, you know? Anyway, so moving on. So. 
the external justification for in the case of Eve, Eve thought that if she ate this fruit and then she gave it to her husband, then they would both have the wisdom to actualize what the the, the five point mandate, prosperity mandate that God had given them. Be fruitful, excuse me, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. You know, because she was piled up with all of the work of, of helping Adam, she must have become overwhelmed and she began to look for the wisdom that she needed to, you know. So she 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 was transitioned in that moment that look, I don't have this wisdom now, but if I if I eat this thing, I am going to get the vision. And that is where the the, the pride of life really kicks in. It's the pride of life that pushes us over the edge. It's the pride of life that gives us the justification to go ahead and and do something that God did not say we should <laughs> that God did not say we should do, you know. So the pride of life entails the appropriation of worldly wisdom to acquire and sustain the decision, the decided change in style of living. By external justification, I mean the good benefits, rewards, encouragement to others that will come from quote-unquote, working on yourself. Hmm. Strongholds. The pride of life has two aspects, the negative and the double negative. On the negative side, we already decided to help ourselves rather than rely on God. On the double negative side, we persist in the style of living even when we see that it is harming us, either because we do not know what is right or we are under a stronghold. It is a place of stronghold where we essentially stick to and imprison our, ourselves in the mind of a lot of others. Even when we're faced with the outcome of our, our wrong choices, it can be difficult to break free because of the fear of what others might say. We continue to glorify the error, thus investing in the deception and consequent destruction of our own lives and the lives of others. So here the person steps into the constant battle of self-preservation and search for self-worth in objects for validation of persons and groups to which they now belong. Strongholds are not only from the opinions of others, but it can be a result of an entrenched taste for abuse, substance abuse, including food, abuse of our bodies, of, of people, of objects, of animals, etc. It can definitely be a combination of opinions and tastes. Hmm. God's grace. Any system that encourages the store of self-worth in objects and not in the human spirit is not of God. The true net worth of a person is the ability of that person at any age or circumstance to produce wealth without the use of stored up physical assets. So what does that mean? It means if you are taken to, if you're removed from, okay, okay, let's just go back to the to the story of the Jews and the Holocaust and all of that. They came out of that to build a nation. Their wealth had been decimated, many of them had been killed, many had lost their wealth, but many still came out of those places, out of those concentration camps. And many of them still were able to come back and 
build successful businesses, successful empires. They were able to build their wealth from the scratch. So their self-worth, their self-worth had not been tampered. They had not allowed, somehow God had preserved them and their self-worth was not tampered by that experience, right? But they were able to come out of that and still build wealth. Even though everything had been taken away from them, their families, their money, their houses, their documents, everything. And so they had to build from scratch. So that ability to build from scratch is what God really wants us to have. God wants to, to us to be able to reset our lives, to be able to go back to the things that he has called us to do, to be able to reset our lives, to take up our lives. Maybe you might not be able to go back to medical school at 60 years old. Maybe you might not be able to go back to medical school at 60. But there might be something. He might give you the gift of healing. You might now be given the gift of healing because that is where he originally called you to. That was the thing that he originally called you to. And so now he's giving you the gift of healing for you to pray for people and they are made well. And it's just a special thing that is about you. You know, you go for that prayer meeting and everyone just wants to see you because because there's just there's just something when you pray, something shifts, something happens. So that ability to reset, God definitely wants us to have it. So let me keep reading. The truth is that all the bulk of sin stops at God's table, and he decided to do something to clear the records once and for all. For everyone, by bearing the punishment that sin, iniquity, and transgression had brought upon man, so that man can really be free to prosper with a sound mind. Sin stops us from prospering. Iniquity brings injustice to self and others, and transgression is progressive destruction of the human person. Sin is mindset decision. Iniquity is a wisdom to hatch it out, which produces transgression. That is, a deviation from God's laws, thus resulting in, in an injury to the good name of God and to ourselves and our neighbors. If you're living a lifestyle that is harmful to the good name of God, to yourself and others, then there's time to retrace your steps. The life of error always starts with transvision. You know, sometimes you might, you might, you might even think, "Oh, this career that I have, you know, I'm, I may not, I may not, um, I'm not harming anybody. It's not harming anybody. You know, you've have you, have you heard somebody say that before? You know, for as long as it's not harming anybody, then it's all right. And you might think that it's not harming anybody, but you are laying an example. Number one. And number two, in your own life, are you really, truly happy? Are you really finding fulfillment in this other thing that you're doing, which is based upon a transvision? Because, yeah, you might, you might seem that directly, there's no direct harm coming to anybody else, but to you, are you happy? Are you fulfilled? Are you finding joy? Yes, you're good at what you do. People recognize you. People praise you for it. But are you really good? Are you really happy? When you turn off the light at night, are you able to sleep? 
Are you satisfied with what you have? Or are you chasing the new house? You're chasing the new, you don't want to be washed up. You know how you know how the world talks talks. You know, they'll just call somebody a washed up, a washed up musician or a washed up actor or a washed up whatever. You know, are you constantly chasing the titles to keep yourself relevant? Are you constantly trying to build your net worth so that you can have rest? Yeah, so you might you might it might look on the outside like oh nobody's being harmed. But you're harming yourself. And the kids that are coming after you, I'm not saying that this is gonna stop at any point in time because I mean <clears throat> no matter how careful you are, kids are going to be deceived by the enemy. It is just the way that life goes. But what we're saying, the trust of of all of these things that I'm saying is that in as much as those things will go wrong. God has made a provision for a reset. God has made a provision for a reset. And when we take advantage of it, then we are able. We are able to retrace our steps through Christ. And we receive gifts. Receive gifts that enable us to walk in the things that God had originally called us to do. So for somebody like me, I I just I just um thought that maybe yeah maybe I'll just set up some businesses. But so far if I really want to count how many businesses I've ever thought of doing, I have I have I have thought of more than maybe more than 50. Maybe more than 50 and each of them seems very viable. But it was until it was not until recently that I began to see that God is calling me to do. God had made me and called me to do something completely and totally different from how I had seen myself all of those years. And so the way, the way to get back to who you were meant to be, the way that you meant the 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 the, the truth about who you were, who you were created to be is only to be found in Christ. And that is why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, so so um, moving on to, um, so that we can round up. Um, let me finish reading where I stopped. Oh, uh, yeah. So I was, I was saying that, um, that in Christianity, the theory of blame is that God has taken, He has paid, He has paid for that, for that, um, for 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 what it should have cost you. It should have cost you your life and your eternity if you had continued on the wrong path of transvision. If you continue on the wrong path of transvision, it means you're going to be laboring and toiling for the rest of your life and never being able to have a sense of fulfillment. Never being able to have a sense of fulfillment. And on the day that you decide that, oh, let me just relax and enjoy. Have you ever heard people say that? Just when I think I, I, I'm going to rest, something just happens. Because they are working on the idea of transvision. They're working on the idea of transvision for as long as they're pursuing that life. There is no rest. 
There is no rest in that life. You see, rest is the exclusive preserve of God. Rest is exclusively designed and curated by God and kept specifically for those who, who rely and trust in him. Rest, the rest of God, is reserved for only those who persist in the original vision. But anybody who's transvisioned cannot have rest. The person cannot have rest. You, you work so hard and gather all of this money. Now you have to build a, a, a house with a fence that is as high just as the house itself. Now you have to go out. You cannot just go out and enjoy the Grand Canyon like anybody else. Now you have to go with security. You cannot just walk into a, a store and go buy groceries like anybody else. Now you have to go with, you know, you have to endure the paparazzi. You cannot just do things that other people seemingly enjoy because, you know, sometimes we glamorize the celebrity life, but we forget that now they have treated their humanity for this other thing where, where they are objects of, of adulation and, and worship. And so they cannot even have the normal life that you and I, and, that you and I can enjoy because now everywhere they're hiding from something. They're hiding from people who want to take advantage of them. And so you pile up all of this money, but you have to even do more work to sustain it. You made all of this money, but now you have to do so much more work to sustain it. Why? Why? Because you're on the path of transvision. You're on the path of transvision. But when you come back to the original path, and yes, it's gonna look. It is gonna look very, very um unglamorous. It's gonna look, you know, it's gonna look like foolishness. It's going to look like um. It's just gonna look crazy to the world. It's just gonna look. It's just gonna look. I mean, you left a lucrative career to follow who Jesus. Are you out of your mind? But when you discover, when you discover who you were really created to be. I'm not going to tell you who you were created to be. I don't have that power. I don't have that, I don't have that understanding. I don't have that insight. But there is somebody who does. And that is the Spirit of God. And so when you believe that God has taken the blame for everything that the enemy did to you, for the mistakes that you committed because of the lies of the enemy, when you believe that God has, has paid the price with the life of his own son, Jesus Christ, then you become free. All you have, that is why all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is believe that God has taken the blame. Because that is what happened when, when he came, he manifested. When the father manifested in the form of the son, I came in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. He came and suffered all that he did in silence. Because if he, had if he had replied or retorted or just said something, all of that, all of, all of these things we're talking about would have been in vain. But he went to the cross like a lamb, not uttering a single word, not uttering a word in protest. And even while he hung upon that cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
They know not what they do. You don't know what you have done. You don't know what you did. You did it innocently. You did not know that it would cost you your life. You didn't know it would cost you 40 years. You didn't know it would take you 60 years. You didn't know it would take you 70 years to get it right. And even at 70, you're still struggling. You're still trying to get a job just to make it right. And now when you should be enjoying time with your with your grandchildren or you should be enjoying time with your family, you are somewhere else. You're somewhere else because you're transvisioned. So you did not know. You didn't know. I didn't know. Nobody else knew. And so God came and decided, you know what? All of this, I'm taking the blame for it. And so he took the blame for what you did. And decided that, you know what, I just want you to have a good life. And so I'm going to take the blame for what you did and allow you to, 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 to come out and have an abundant life. You know, Jesus said, the enemy comes to kill, to steal and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. How? By taking the blame for what you did so that you can go scot-free. And you know what the good part is? You don't even have to live with the guilt of, you know, oh, this cost me the life of Jesus, you know, you know, (laughs) Jesus died. And no, he's saying rejoice because I'm alive. Because having having sacrificed his life for you, he, he wasn't at a disadvantage because he was raised again on the third day. And when he resurrected, he resurrected with power. And he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. He's interceding for you right now. So, so the, 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 the whole thing is, so the whole of your life now will be, everything in life now will be to your own favor. Because everything that should have, should have stopped you, everything that should have, should have hindered you has been taken out of the way. The Bible says that every handwritten record that was constituted in decrees against us, that Jesus did what? He nailed it to the cross. So every accusation that the enemy could drum up, any charges that he could trump up and just, you know, bring them against you, Jesus did what? He, He nailed it to the cross. He came out and took the blame for everything that you did so that you can get it right now, so that you can return to the original vision that God had for you. So that you don't have to live on the transvision. You can live on the original vision. And that is why God gives us the Holy Spirit. When you believe in Jesus Christ. When you believe in the Father and you confess Jesus Christ to be your Savior. That he has come to take the blame. And he has paid for everything that you you could ever have done wrong. Right? What then happens is that he gives you the Holy Spirit. And one of the first things that the Holy Spirit does when he comes is that he changes your vision and your dream. He resets your vision and your dream. I think it is written in Joel and also echoed in in Acts of Apostles on the day of Pentecost when Peter was addressing the multitudes. He said something, I think this will be (laughs) the only scripture that I... I get to read, but um, 
but I need to read it so that you can so that you can hear what transpired on that day when the Spirit of God came upon them. Right? Because Peter came out and and addressed the multitude and he said that what they had seen was what God had promised. And that he had said that um that on the last days that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. That he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And that the young men and upon um I'm trying to look for I know it's an act of apostles, it should be in chapter two, I think. I believe, yes. Yes, chapter two, verse fourteen. Let me read it quickly. It says, but Peter standing up with eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but a third hour of the day. For this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Right? So, visions. It's the young men that see visions. There's still a young man in each and every one of us. I know I'm in my 30s, but even, you know, even if you're in your 70s, there's still something inside of you. There's still a young man inside of you. There's still the child inside of you. And so you can still have visions, no matter how far gone you think you are. And that's what I was saying, that the Spirit of God, when the Holy Spirit comes, the first thing, the first thing, one of the first things he does is to reset your visions. You begin to have different, you, you begin to have new desires. You begin to have different desires. Now you want to tell everybody about what God has done for you. Now you want to, now you want to set up a school to teach people stuff. Maybe now you want to, you know, so different gifts, different um, um, assignments, different things will come into your life because God is getting you back to the path where he created you to be, the original. So you're coming from the transitioned version of yourself to the original version that was, in tra- that, that, that was intended for you. And all that it takes is for you to believe that God has taken the blame for whatever it is that you did wrong. Whatever it is that puts you on the on the path of transvision, because for as long as you you have stepped into the transvision path, trust me, you will never get your way back. You will never get your way back unless God rescues you. Unless God rescues you, you will never get your way back. And God has sent the rescue already. He sent the rescue by deciding to take the blame on Himself. So friends, brothers and sisters, what is it going to be? Are you going to continue on the transvision path? Or are you going to repair to the original vision that God had for you? What is it going to be? I know you, you have invested so much in this other life. You've, this, you've, you've invested so much in, in this other 
lifestyle. You've, you've invested so much in this career. You've invested so much. In, and I'm not saying that the, the, that, that you have to, um, that the change is going to be drastic in, instantly. God is going to give you the grace to make any changes that you need. It's there. And Jesus is saying that whatsoever that you're forfeiting, that you're forfeiting, yeah, because a whole lot of times the things that we have to forfeit are the things that that um that were that came along, the benefits that came along with with the with the transvision life. Some of the times the things that we have to give up are the things that came along with the transvision life. But God is saying that whatever it is that you forfeit in this world to get back to the original vision, you are going to receive a hundredfold in this life. That is what the Bible says. Yeah, I'm not good at, I'm not really good at, you know, going back to the to pointing out and, and I pray that I'll, and I'll get there someday. But the Bible says that Jesus said, whatever it is that you forfeit in this world, is it family? Is it houses? Is it cars? Whatever it is that you're forfeiting to come back. Are you forfeiting friends? Are you forfeiting, you know, I don't know what it is that you have to give up. And I know it is not easy to give anything up because like we said, there are strongholds. Sometimes it is the opinions of people and sometimes it is the, it is just the entrenched taste for abuse could just be the entrenched taste. Maybe you just like it this way. Maybe this is just the way you like your eggs. But that way you like your eggs is sending you to an early grave. Right? Maybe that's just the way you like your men. But that those kinds of men, they beat you black and blue and you're not able to, you know, you're, dis- you're left disoriented in life for days. You know, you're not able to get yourself. Maybe these are just the kind of jobs that you're used to getting. These are just the kind of jobs that you always get. But these kind of jobs don't allow you to have time for yourself, for your family, for your kids. You just want to have time. You just want to play with your kids, but you don't have the time because that's the kind of job that you always get. (sighs) Friends, brothers, sisters... I don't know what to say anymore. That's that's all that I have. But I really pray that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that as you as you hand over your burdens, your burdens, those things that weigh upon your spirit, that as you hand them over right now to the Spirit of God, and as you hand them over to the Lord Jesus Christ, as you cast those burdens upon him, that you receive his yoke upon you. At this hour, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that you receive the spirit of truth that sets you free, that you receive the spirit of truth that delivers you from everything that has held you bound all of these years. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray that whatever has held you bound all these years, Whatever sorrows has chained you down all these years will let you go at this hour in the name that is above every other name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that you are set free at this hour. You are set free in the name that is above. 
of every other name. Whatever has held you bound, let you go at this hour in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And so, Father, we thank you for this hour of revelation. We thank you for this hour of communion. We thank you for this hour of fellowship. We thank you, Lord, for this hour of deliverance, oh, Father. We thank you, Lord, for showing us your love and that you have taken away the blame for everything that we could have done wrong. And you have come to restore us to the original vision for which we were made. Father, Lord, we put our trust in you, Lord. We have nobody else to call upon but upon your holy name. Lord, therefore, we call upon you at this hour. Lord, wherever we have gone wrong, we declare, Lord, that we are sorry. We are sorry because you have taken away those blame from us. Therefore, therefore, we're asking, Father, that in the name of Jesus Christ, that you restore to us, O Lord, the original vision and the intention that you had for our life. That you fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Wash us clean with the blood of Jesus. Let the blood wash away every iniquity, every dross of sin. Every dross of sin. Whatever has made us think that we can prosper without you. Whatever has made us think. Whatever the manifestations of that thought, Lord. We are asking that you wash us clean from all such thoughts, all such imaginations, all such inadequacies, all such iniquities, and all such transgressions, Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ, O Lord, for the forgiveness of our sins, Lord, and for ourselves, Lord, that you heal us, O Lord, in our bodies and in our minds, that you transform our minds and restore to us, O Lord, O Lord, a sound mind through your spirit of truth, Lord. And for as many as we have harmed in the process, O Lord, of living out the transvisioned life, Father, we pray, Lord, that you reach out to them by our own testimonies. You reach out to them by the spirit of God, by the spirit of truth, Lord. And that you reach out to them and heal them and bring them back into your own fold also, Lord, in the name of Jesus. That even as we're a, a a source of inspiration to them while we're living out in sin. Father, we pray that now that we are coming into your covenant, now that we are coming into your love, that now that we are coming into your abundant life, Lord, that our lives will be a transformative influence upon them in the mighty name of Jesus, that they will be drawn to you, O Lord, by the, the brightness of our rising as sons of God in the mighty name of Jesus, that they will be drawn to you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, that our testimonies, O Lord, will transform them in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, Father, we thank you, Lord, because you are able. We thank you, Lord, because you are able to do exceedingly far more abundantly than what we are able to ask, O Lord, and what we are able to do, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord. O Father, O Father, Pour out your spirit on your people, Lord. Pour out your spirit upon your people, Lord. And let them come into the abundant life that you have paid for. Father, we receive the abundant life that you have paid for. We receive the abundant life that you have paid for. Jesus, we receive the abundant life that you have paid for. Father, Lord, we receive the abundant life that you have paid for. 
And by the power of your Holy Spirit, we begin to live it out, even at this moment, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, our Father and our God. Father, we give you the glory and the praise. We thank you because you're good and your mercy is endured forever. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us into your fold, O oh Lord. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you sustain us and keep us, O oh Lord. Enlighten us and keep us, O oh Lord, in the path of righteousness. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, our Father and our God. Be thou glorified, Lord, now and forevermore. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen, and amen. So brothers and sisters, I thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I know it was long. I know it was very, very long. But I pray that it has been a blessing to you, that it will be a blessing to whomever you will share it with, with everyone whom you share it with, and um, and that it, it will just bless you and that you continue and you begin to live, you begin to live out you know, the abundant life that Christ has come to pay to pay for. And um, like I said, I'm going to make the book available. If you send me an email to Let's Talk Love Now, that is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-L-O-V-E-N-O-W at gmail.com. If you send me an email to let's talk love now at gmail.com, I'm going to make the 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 material I was reading, I'm gonna make it available, you know, so that you can you can read it also and share with your friends. Okay. And so please share this podcast if you can and when you can, please share it with others. It's a way of also evangelizing and helping others, you know, to come back to the Father. Please, I ask that you share with your friends, okay? So until next time, when we meet again, I pray that we will have testimonies to share. Lord, I still feel, I feel, I feel so overwhelmed, really. I do. I do feel very overwhelmed. Like, please, we're gonna have, we're gonna have an, I'm gonna have, we're gonna have another time very soon. We're gonna have another time very soon. But this is a fourth path four-part series so if you are listening to this this is a this is a fourth this is a fourth part so i don't know i don't know how the link is going to come out but if you if you share just let the person know what you're sharing this part one part two part three and this is part four okay so god bless you abundantly and richly and welcome to the family of god i just pray that the lord will see you through whatever it is that you have been going through Whatever it is that you have you have been suffering all of these years, whatever it is that you have you have whatever it is that the Lord has has called you to do, that you will have the boldness, you receive the boldness, you receive the vision, the truth, you receive the prophecy, you receive the 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 strength you receive whatever it is that you need to require you receive all the good things that you require to move on to do those things which you originally created to do and as you go back to the original vision of the father for your life i pray that you will not be disappointed that you will not be enticed again into the world, but you will live in the abundance of what God provides because he has promised that you receive a hundredfold in this world. 
and I pray that you you meet you at the point of your needs. I know it might be difficult to 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 detransition, to detransvision, you know, but you're not doing it by your power or by your might, but God is giving you his Holy Spirit to manage this process for you. And so once again, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I really look forward to sharing again with you in another episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. God bless you. And I look forward to hearing your testimony. So if you can send the email, like I said, to let's talk love now at gmail.com then I'll be able to maybe address your questions or just, you know, pray with you or answer your questions in the next podcast. Thank you so much for listening again. God bless you and see you. Ciao.